We have two great guests today. In about 45 minutes, Nick Sortor will join us. Sotor from, uh, he's an independent journalist, of course. He'll join us from Lahaina. He has been covering the devastation there and got uh, has some concerns. You can follow him at Nick Sortor, S-O-R-T-O-R, N-I-C-K, S-O-R-T-O-R on X. And my first guest is Larry Elder. Uh, he has been called the Sage from South Central. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's an award-winning documentarian host of a national radio program. I've known Larry for a long time. He's a great guy. And I was telling him before uh, we came on screen here that uh, watching what the press put him through was I just agonizing. That's the best word I can think of. It was just, it was disgusting. So we'll talk about that. He ran for governor and uh, was uh, put through the mill for it. You can follow Larry at uh, on X at Larry Elder, uh, L-A-R-R-Y-Y, excuse me, E-L-D-E-R is how the last name is spelled. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Larry Elder after this. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Valentine's Day is around the corner, so it is time to look your absolute best. Our friends at GenuSale are celebrating Valentine's Day with a special gift just for you. From now until Valentine's Day, get a limited-time gift of beauty box free with your order at GenuSale.com slash Drew. Each beauty box has two of GenuSale's top sellers for you to give a try. It's absolutely free. And right now, save over 60% off all of our favorite GenuCell products with one of our customized skincare packages. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. Retinols, vitamin C cream, under eye cream, night creams. Scrubs. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at GenuCell.com. Plus, with its immediate effects, GenuCell promises results that will make you smile. It's guaranteed or 100% of your money back. To let yourself and a loved one with our limited edition bundles right now at GenuCell.com slash Drew. Use our special code Drew at checkout for extra savings off your order today. And remember, every order placed is automatically upgraded to free shipping. Don't wait. That is GenuCell.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. As a physician, I am deeply concerned about efforts to erode the doctor-patient relationship. And as medical freedom continues to come under assault, I'm on a mission to empower you to be able to take care of yourselves and your family the way you want to. I urge you to get this medical emergency kit from The Wellness Company. It contains essential prescription medication you should really always have on hand. Here's Dr. Peter McCullough, Chief Scientific Officer. It's a very broad and diverse medical kit. can handle everything from a urinary tract infection, a fungal infection, a bronchitis. People can, you know, via telemedicine, uh, get their questions answered and get on the right track. But it's basically an at-home formula. Yep. For the first time, people, instead yep. of being uh, uh, held captive by an urgent care or by a doctor's office or an ER, they can actually do this themselves at home. Save yourself the weight and the hassle and feel better faster. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC for 10% off. 
That is drdrew.com slash TWC for 10% off the medical emergency kit. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And welcome. We are joined today by Larry Elder. I want to bring him right in. You can follow him at Larry Elder on Twitter and Instagram at Larry Elder Show. Uh, Larry, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Good Good to see you. Pleasure, pleasure to see you. Now, uh, on your website, I believe you've announced that you want to save the state of California, rescue the state of California. And I, 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 I but, but I've had, but I, that particular catch is, captures me because I remember I was driving down, you know how the 110 freeway cuts right, we're selling it up sort of the California as soon as you start naming the, the, the names of the freeways. But I was going down the 110 right down the middle of downtown Los Angeles and I was like, oh God. And then I was sort of overcome with this sort of sadness that we'd taken it to this point, or we hadn't, that it had gone to the deteriorator to this point. And I thought, I, I, I think the state is worth fighting for. It's, you know, we've all lived here mo- our, all of our life, a lot of us, and it, it's worth fighting for. I had that feeling about 18 months ago. I, I, now I'm starting to, starting to fade. Tell me how you're going to rescue the state. Well, I have a brand new book out called As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation, where I talk about uh, what's happening with California, uh, with the crime, with the way uh, Gavin Newsom shut down the state in a more severe way than any of the other 49 governors did. Uh, we lost probably about a third of all our restaurants are now gone forever. And most of those, Dr. Drew, were run by uh, mom and pops, black and brown people, the kind of people that people like Gavin Newsom purport yep. to care about. Our, our test yep. scores are near the bottom. Seventy-five percent of Black third graders can neither read nor nor write uh, at grade level. Uh, the price of a home in California is twice that of the national average. That's why the last three years we've lost a net one million people uh, leaving California. And the number one reason that they cite is that they cannot afford the price of a home. Our budget is a disaster. We have a huge unfunded pension liability, but it's a beautiful, beautiful state. Uh, I think it's probably the most beautiful state. Uh, in the in the in the country, and it, it's worth saving. We've got way too many Democrats. Democrats have dominated uh, both parts of our legislature. Uh, California has not elected a Republican statewide in almost twenty years. I tried to break that streak when I ran for the recall election because I thought for a moment people were fed up with the crime, fed up with the homelessness. Uh, but um, uh, he got pretty soundly uh, reelected. Although his numbers now are the worst numbers of his career, and the two reasons people cite crime and homelessness. And and so when when that happened when he was so what seemed to be easily reelected that that was shocking to me. I I I mean it it really kind of rocked my faith in the electorate. And so when I see polls that you know things are going one direction or another, I don't believe anything because uh, and to me, that was just mind-blowing that they had a great candidate. They had you as an option. Uh, obviously, they were extremely gruesome and unfair towards you. And uh, I hope the LA Times just completely crashes and burns. It looks like it's getting close. And it, I, I've had my own run-ins with them over the years, and they are reprehensible. There it is. 
that is their headline. I, I'm not even going to. I can't even. I keep, the words cannot come out of my mouth. It's just so disgusting that they they that they feel that within their liberty to go. Ahead. It's just it's mind boggling. Who are these people? What yeah. is wrong with them? Yeah. The woman who wrote that is named Erica D. Smith, and uh, as you know, the newspaper is hemorrhaging money. They're now laid off about 150 people recently, uh, and one of those who was laid off called my views white supremacists. Uh, she's now gone. Uh, her name was Jean Guerrero. Uh, however, the one that called me the blackface white supremacy is still there, even though the LA Times said they were going to let people go based upon seniority. The, those with the most senior would stay. Well, the one that called me the blackface of white supremacy had less seniority than the one uh, who called me a white supremacist. Uh, the one who called me a white supremacist is a Latina. And when she left, she posted on, on social media that there are now no more Latina opinion writers. Uh, but the black woman that called me uh, the black face of white supremacy with less seniority is still there. My feeling, Dr. Drew, is they were afraid to get rid of her because she pulled out the race card and she would sue them claiming racial discrimination. Well, you know, wh why would they need any, any uh, uh, Latina uh, opinions? I mean, we certainly have no no one in our population here that would be needs representation. I mean, we, have, we have no... No, no Central Americans, no Mexicans, no, no, no Hispanics in this town. I, why, why would we want to have anyone? I, it's so insane. It's so why, where, and part of me wonders. Let's say people did vote for Gavin Newsom because he looks dreamy, or because you know people vote for just the status quo. That I understand. There's sort of that bias that people have, but. Where is the the Hispanic community in this? They they are usually very very smart, very reasonable, very family oriented. They're the ones that suffered during COVID more than anyone. They're the ones whose businesses were were shuttered. They're the ones whose kids at school were damaged. What, how come they're not just outraged? They should be just furious. What, where where have they been? Well, I I think things are changing. That's why I mentioned uh, Gavin Newsom's poll numbers are the worst of his career. Uh, and the two reasons people give is crime uh, and homelessness. Uh, and when I ran, I was supported by the former Senate Majority Leader, uh, who is a Latina, uh, because I support school choice. And the ones who get the worst schools are the people living in the inner city, black and brown kids uh, that cannot read or write or, or do math at grade level uh, because of the inability to put their kid into a better school. I think people are waking up in the crime. You have all these soft on crime policies here in California, Proposition 47, Proposition 57, both of which Gavin Newsom supported, uh, that essentially tell bad people, you're going to be on the streets. Uh, if you go to jail, maybe. Uh, Catholic bail, so the likelihood uh, is if you get caught uh, stealing under 950 bucks, you've committed a misdemeanor. If the officer sees you, yeah. writes you a ticket, you have zero chance of going to jail. I think people are beginning to wake up. Not only zero chance of going to jail, the, the the police are so demoralized by writing these tickets that just get torn up right in front of them. They don't write the tickets. They don't respond to the calls. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Uh, they're, they've got enough on their plate. They're going to just focus on dangerous individuals uh, and not the $875 uh, uh, smash and grabs, which is now, of course, again in this state, those that need services the most are not going to have access to them because those businesses are going to shutter in their neighborhoods. I, why? I it it's just this really is confusing to me, Larry. That that they 
that the people of Oakland aren't furious, that the peace, people of East Los Angeles aren't furious, and, and put their own candidates forward. You do something. But these people that are representing them now clearly are are dangerously harmful to them. I, I, humbly, I, I can't speak on their behalf, but I'm just looking, I'm just, I have eyes, and I look around what's happening. It looks just awful. Absolutely. I talk about this in my, in my book. They just now shut down at Denny's in, in Oakland. Uh, they've shut down an In-N-Out Burger in Oakland, all because of crime and theft uh, and, and the fear that their consumers might be hurt, uh, the fear that their employees might be hurt. Uh, the people, again, that uh, people on the left report to care about are the ones uh, that are the most jeopardized by all these stupid, soft on crime policies. And the cops are demoralized. In L.A., we're down several hundred officers uh, from, from full strength. And who wants to be a cop these days? If you're, if you're right. white, you join the department, you're going to be accused of uh, pursuing systemic racism. If you're black, you're an Uncle Tom. If you're brown, you're a Tio Taco. So the police are retiring early. And they're transferring to smaller departments that are less, with, with less drama. Uh, and they can't get any replacements. So you have response time uh, being delayed because of that. Uh, you have uh, serious crime not being uh, pursued because of that. Uh, all of these are policies that were created uh, by politicians uh, that California uh, voted for, LA Times endorsed all these people, uh, and now uh, it's coming back to bite them. And people, have, again, are leaving California for the first time in our state's 170-year history. And, you know, I don't know if you saw, heard the interview that Adam Carolla did with Newsom around the time, I guess he was running for governor the first time. And uh, his whole his whole policy uh, was focused on eliminating check cashing outlets in in the inner in the central part of los angeles and adam kept going check cashing what why that that's gonna make things so much better in los angeles and and then he then and uh and newsom kept going yeah well black and brown people can't get bank accounts and adam said wait a minute there, there are no banks in that oh they're banks but they don't have why what's wrong why don't they have access what's the problem and he would not answer he goes do, do the asians have the same problem what, what's going on what what is this and of course, he didn't answer. And it was just some empty platitude that felt like a good slogan, which is in check cashing stores, essentially. Yeah, it's just condescending, uh, letting black people know that they're victims. And oh, by the way, uh, I am a white savior. I'll come in here and rescue you. Uh, meanwhile, he signs a, right. a, a law that sets up a panel for reparations, even though California was never even a slave state. This is what this guy does. He's banning the sale of new gasoline powered cars by 2035. And after he put out that statement. Uh, two days later, he put out an alert telling people who have uh, EVs not to charge them uh, during peak hours because it taxes our state energy grid. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, yeah, how I don't, that's the signed, point. That... How about the bill that he signed, right. Dr. Drew, that, that, that requires you, if you're a large toy store, to have a gender-neutral toy aisle so that your kid, yeah. if your kid not sure he's a girl or he's a he has a place to buy a toy. This is the kind of stuff that Gavin Newsom uh, and the Democrats in Sacramento have put down our throats. Well, I it, it, listen, I would have no problem with any of that if they'd solved the really serious problems and the dangerous problems and the profound problems. Really, and that's they, a stupid thing. But yeah, do. but if they want to, you know, uh, look, sort of gild the lily with that, uh, fine, but... Uh, but we know we had triplets, two yeah. boys and a girl, didn't give them toys and then set them loose in a toy shop when yeah. they were two, one and, one and a half. And a half. Yeah, yeah. Paulina went straight for pink and the boys went for trucks. 
As, it wasn't, and maybe the, some kids are gender gender neutral, yeah, but yeah. you know, but that's fine. But just let them pick. Like, well, again, I have no problem with having gender. That's neutral. a waste of uh, money. I think uh, us think us wasting our time even thinking about his policies there is wasting, taking our attention off the very serious stuff that's going on here. Which, look, if you want to walk down the street three miles from here, you you have a high risk of a machete attack. That's true. And, and it's a trick. So th that's that's the city we live in, the environment we live in. And there are people that are no, chronically Lee, living amongst that. Yeah. During, during the campaign, uh, Gavin Newsom was mugged uh, by a homeless guy. He was attacked. Uh, and he had, of course, his security mm -hmm. detail. How many of us have a security detail when we're walking around? You have all these guys who are right. on the street, on the street because of these soft on crime DAs, soft on crime policies. Uh, that have been uh, pushed to the voters uh, in the guise of criminal justice reform, making things far, far more dangerous for the average citizen. So uh, on your show, let me make sure I got down the what I wanted to get through here. Yeah. Um, what, what kinds of things? First of all, give us a promo for your radio show. Where do people catch it? Well, I'm going to be starting a podcast probably in the next couple of weeks. You can just go to LarryYoder.com and uh, or go to my social media and I will keep you apprised of that. But right now, my goal is right. to promote the book uh, so that people can realize we can turn this state around. Uh, we can do something about the crime. We can do something about the homelessness. Uh, we can do something to improve our, our schools uh, if we push school choice. So I'm urging people to get the book and uh, check it out. All right, done and done. Now, I want to I pull back to the sort of international situation, the stuff that caught my attention today. Uh, the, the farmer... The farmer uprising in Europe is is very interesting for multiple reasons. Uh, one is, I, well, this this is sort of I, I don't know if you can even answer this, but it, it's intriguing to me first of all that the farmers are uh, asserting themselves. I would like to know if you think that that those sorts of uh, demonstrations actually have any benefit i mean it seems like the power is so centralized in brussels and they seem recalcitrant to any input from their population but I, i'd be interested to know that and then number two this is a major uprising apparently macron is very concerned that it's going to unravel in some major way and yet you can't find it on mainstream media here so my two right. questions are how do we sort of what's going on well probably talk the rest of the hour about this, like what's going on with media, but how do we raise awareness about this thing and wh why would they not be showing it? I mean, what is, what's wrong with, this is happening. It's a major international story. Why aren't they showing it? And then do we think that Brussels will listen to these people? Uh, the reason they're not showing it is because uh, it, it goes against their uh, position regarding climate change. What people are concerned about, these farmers are concerned about, are policies being pushed down their throats that they don't like. Uh, and people are beginning to rebel all over the country. And the media does not want you to see that. We've got a, we've got a media that is so left-wing. I think only 3% of, of journalists self-described as, as conservative or somewhat conservative. 3%. And so they're all about abortion. They're all about climate change. Uh, they're all about uh, uh, getting rid of guns. But the kinds of things that people are concerned about, everyday working people, but those are the kinds of, of, of stories we're not hearing about because these elite people who write stories only care about those kinds of issues. 
So elites, uh, that, that is uh, a preoccupation. I mean, last time you and I talked, that's not a, and we used to come on my HLN show a long time ago and used to come on my KBC show a while ago. But I, I think like more in terms when we were doing CNN and, and HLN, which by the way, I don't think we're welcome there anymore. It just, you just, certain places you're just not allowed to go for some reason. Yeah, I, to, I was there for 10 to, years, to, but to, you you know, I'm seeing them all the time. They had me on regularly. Yeah. Uh, I used to even yeah. go, on, go on MSNBC from time to time. Nobody calls anymore. Me too. Well, why don't you go on their yeah. shows? I you have to be invited. Otherwise, it's called stalking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't understand this. No, people don't get it. That, that I used to do, I would go, I would do Laura Ingram in, in the evening. I would do... Uh, Chris Cuomo in the morning on CNN. I would do my own show in the afternoon HLN. I'd do um, Don Lemon right before my show. I, we just we all moved around all the different. And you, you, if you had something to say that was interesting, you got up and you said it. Uh, but now, if you first of all, if you dare appear on any Fox show, you can't go anywhere else. You're not allowed, or they won't they won't invite you. But the probability is if you have anything, like if we talked, if we were, you and I were to go on CNN and talk about the farmer uprising, we would not be invited back. That's, that's mm -hmm. the state of affairs. But we could never get in there in the first place because we somehow, because we're having this conversation now. We dare to have this conversation now. Or we dare to question lockdown. Or you dared, dared to run for governor. Boom, that's it, out. And that, that siloing is really concerning to me. Though I feel like, the the internet and particularly X is sort of starting to expose people to more ideas and more stories and more things. Like I don't think I would have seen the uh, the farmers uprising were it not for X. And right. you know, and you look a little further, and it's a major international story. So perhaps things are getting better. What do you think? I don't think they are getting any better. I mean, the last time I was mm -hmm. on CNN, I was interviewed during the. A governor's recall race in 2021. Joe Johns was a reporter who came out and interviewed me uh, and talked about uh, my position on COVID. And I said, I'm not opposed to vaccines. I have been uh, vaccinated. My doctor suggested it because I have high blood pressure. I have a rare blood di disease and I'm over 65 years old. However, I don't believe that young people need to be vaccinated. I don't believe that they're not likely to get sick. They're not likely to get real sick. They're not likely to be hospitalized mm -hmm. and they're not likely to die. Mm -hmm. Played all that on CNN, and he said, but that's not true. According to the CDC, blah, 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 blah. Right, and of course, right, it's right, true. Right, right. And I tweeted to Mr. Johns, when am I going to get an apology? I've not heard back. Yeah. Yeah. Keep at that. I, the, the, I, you know, we're starting to see the, I think you might have posted something today about the new, oh, no, and it was Jennifer Say, was posting that the New York Times now is starting to talk about in, in detail how catastrophic school closures were and what a bad idea it was. And Jennifer said, how about an apology? You guys pushed, you demanded it. You demanded lockdown, right. demanded school closures. How about an apology? How about a mail culpa? We were wrong. It was a horrible idea. We should leave it to experts and shut up from now on. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I have urged Elon Musk to buy the LA Times uh, and, and hire reporters. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully he'll get the message. But you're right. They pushed this, they yeah. pushed this, they pushed this down our throats. Uh, and the nerve to set up a reparations panel uh, to deal with the so-called uh, wealth gap. Well, what do you think is going to happen to the wealth gap when you shut people out of school here in L.A. for almost two years? It's going to translate into a earnings loss over the course of this person's lifetime. Uh, and then they're going to turn around and then uh, whine about the so-called wealth gap, a wealth gap that you've helped to, to, to make worse. 
Staying with the international scene a little bit again, I, I, the, elite is a word that when we were running around CNN and whatnot was a word I did not think about. It was not at top of mind. Maybe it should have been, but I didn't think about it. And globalism or globalists was not a term I was probably not even familiar with. Is that, are we having any any traction in eroding some of that or at least a, a raising awareness amongst people at how pernicious this movement is? I think so. I mean, people are now beginning to mock the World Economic Forum that they have where all these people get in their private jets and, and fly there and then whine about, uh, 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 whine about greenhouse gases. Uh, so I think yeah. a lot of people now are beginning to, to push back on that. That's what the farmers uprising has been about uh, in Europe. I think people are pushing back. That's why Donald Trump is so popular. Uh, he really is a populist. Uh, he is a billionaire, but he's a populist who's resonated with regular working people uh, because people are tired of being pushed around, told what to do, told what to buy, told what they can't buy and getting canceled. I'm getting very confused by the term populism. Uh, what, what, and I'm curious and, and specifically, you know, what you mean when you use that word, because so often when I hear it brought up, I just think to myself, we used to just call that a majority. We just, we used to just call that enthusiastic supporters. What, what, what did you mean by populist and, and why do people use it obviously as a pejorative, but what, what are they, what are they trying to communicate when they use that term? You know, it's, it's a good question. It, it's kind of an amorphous term, uh, kind of a vague term. But what I mean by that uh, is, is somebody who is, quote, a man of the people. You know, when Donald Trump went down that escalator, I was in an area of L.A. called Sunland. I know you know the area. It's kind of a working class area. And I was at a, a place like a Denny's. It's called Coco's. And I'm sitting there at the, at the bar uh, having breakfast. And a guy comes up to me and he can tell that he's a working class man because of, of how he was dressed. He had pain all over his hands. And he told me that he felt that Donald Trump, quote, speaks for me, close quote. I was there for about 45 minutes and about 10 other people came up to me and said pretty much the same thing. Finally, somebody who's speaking for us. So when I say populism, populist, I mean somebody who's resonated with the working class people, not people that, uh, that went mm. to graduate school, not people that went to Harvard, not the Claudine Gays, but regular working people, many people who work with their hands. That's what I mean by calling Donald Trump a populist. He's resonated with so those certain. kinds of people. Right, so the, the opposite of representing elites, representing everybody other than the elites. And do you remember that Michael Moore, that Michael Moore video? It, it surfaced again about a month ago, where he was describing, uh, sort of systematically, some of the things that Trumps had done in terms of standing up for employees and things like that, and and sort of making the case that he had heard from the average person and how he understood, he could understand how people could relate to that. Do you remember that? That video came around again and people thought it was new. It was like, it was at least five years old. Yeah, I did see that. And remember, Michael Moore was the one who predicted that Donald Trump was going to win. Uh, he said Donald Trump mm. has uh, been able to resonate with regular people. And come November uh, in 2016, he said it's going to be the biggest FU that people have ever seen. Uh, because Donald Trump right, basically right. saying FU to the system, FU to regular politics, FU to the media. He's popularized the expression fake news. That's why they despise him so much. Right. The media has been taken on by Donald Trump and has caused us to uh, have far less respect for the media than before he arrived on the scene. And they can't stand him because of that. Uh, and But I would argue that he merely shined a light on something that was so, or he sort of uh, made them so 
crazed that they became even more fake than they oh. normally normally do. Well, that's right. And uh, remember, the media is the one that pushed this Russia collusion thing for almost uh, two and a half years. Uh, it was uh, the uh, uh, 51 so-called former intelligence official signed that letter claiming that the, uh, the Hunter Biden mm -hmm. laptop had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. The media pushed it. CNN mm -hmm. pushed it. Uh, and uh, people are beginning, I think, now to go to alternatives like your show. Uh, people are able to, to, to go to podcasts now. Uh, and so the power of the media, which is why uh, newspapers like LA Times uh, is having difficulty, is people are getting their own, their sources, other places that they that they tr that they trust more than uh, organizations like the LA Times. Yeah, every every interaction I've had, I stopped doing print because of the LA Times. Every interaction I had was such a grotesque distortion of the facts and what I was telling them or what I had said, or even if I was just advising them on something. I, well, when it was about me particularly, it was just like, what? I mean, the last time I interacted, interacted with them with this woman, it was when uh, the board of supervisors wanted me to serve on the commission, the, the homeless commission that, that sort of determines the distribution of resources. And uh, this woman interviewed me. I said, you know, I'm going in there with an open mind and an open heart. I want to listen. I want to learn about this. I've talked about this a lot, but I had to just, I had to shut up and listen and hear to what, what they're doing. And before I, before I jump into anything, I come in with no agenda. And she, instead of reporting what I said, reported with a bunch of activists said that I want to put homeless in prison and in jail. And I don't know what the hell they were talking about. And she quoted that as though it was my position. And then, well, at last check, he was a physician with a license in the state of California. I said, I've been a professor and assistant <laughs> and clinical professor in two different departments. I'm a fellow of the American College of Physicians. Why didn't you ask me about my training? Ask me about my credentials. If you're going to pretend that that was a check of my credentials, what's wrong with you? I called her back and I said, what is this disgusting? You should be ashamed of yourself. They can't even forget, report something diff complicated, meaningful. They can't even check who the people are they're speaking to. They, they just spew something. It's really, it's, it's beyond disgusting. It's, uh, Gelman, it's how I learned about Gelman amnesia, which is, oh, there we are. Uh, Gelman amnesia is where they write an article about something that you know well, and then you go on to read another article about something equally as complicated and go, well, I guess that's accurate. No, they're inaccurate on everything, and especially the LA Times. And they, they deserve everything that's coming to them. They really do. I'm sorry. Sorry for the people that are losing their job, but you folks created this you, with with. Horrible, horrible journalism and biased, distorted, disgusting, dangerous, unfair to you. That's that is their that is their mission. So mission accomplished, everybody. Now we're not buying the LA Times anymore. I'll be right back after this. Well, most of my career, I've been urging people to kick habits, change habits. Well, this time I like to suggest getting into the habit of adding Paleo Valley grass-fed bone broth protein to your daily nutrition regimen. Here's CEO Autumn Smith. It's made from cows with 100% grass-fed and finished and bones. They're bones rather than the hide. Most bone broth or collagen powders are made from hides or hooves, but ours is actually made from the bone because it'll contain additional nutrients. Bone broth is a way to bring back those nutrients, those minerals, and there's glucosaminoglycans, and then there's collagen, which helps us prevent wrinkles and joint pain and actually heals our gut. There's, there's gelatin and there's just 
all of these ingredients that the modern diet has kind of left by the wayside. Susan and I have been mixing the chocolate favorite bone broth literally into our coffee every morning for months. And we've noticed a difference in our energy, appearance of our hair, skin, nails. Susan's particularly very happy with this. The bioavailable protein also helps us feel satiated. That's the part I'm happy with. Paleo Valley bone broth also comes in vanilla and pure unflavored and can easily be added to your coffee, smoothies, yogurt. Go to drdrew.com slash paleo, P-A-L-E-O, for 15% off your first order. Again, that is drdrew.com slash paleo. Are you one of the millions of American women and men dealing with premature hair thinning and hair loss? Or maybe you're scared about inheriting that thinning look because it runs in your family? Start 2024 with a real solution that delivers results without the harsh side effects or unwanted chemicals and no need for prescription. Provia uses a safe natural ingredient, Procapil, to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning and hair loss. By supporting healthy scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients, and healthy hair follicle anchoring to your scalp, Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the shower or on your comb. Right now, new customers save over 50% plus free shipping. Every introductory package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia Serum for daily use, plus the Provia Super Concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Don't wait. Order now to save an extra 10% and get free shipping at ProviaHair.com forward slash Drew. That's P-R-O-V-I-A-H-A-I-R, ProviaHair.com slash D-R-E-W. We all know the value of a good night's sleep. We feel better, look better, have more energy to spare, but you could be missing out on all of those benefits if you're sleeping on sheets that are too hot or too cold or just plain uncomfortable. I have the solution. Cozy Earth Bedding. Cozy Earth is the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, loungewear, and more. They use premium viscose from highly sustainable bamboo, and we sleep in them regularly. I wear their t-shirts. Susan wears their pajamas. Cozy Earth Bedding comes with a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on them, wash them, try them out. If you're not in love, just return them within 100 days for a full refund. Susan and I love them. In fact, we have Cozy Earth sheets on our bed right now, and they made a huge difference in our sleep. If you've never tried Cozy Earth, we have some awesome news. You can save up to 35% off Cozy Earth right now. But hurry, this offer will not last. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter my promo code DREW at checkout for up to 35% off on your first order. That is CozyEarth.com, promo code DREW, C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H, CozyEarth.com, code D-R-E-W. Nick Sortor will join us in about 20 minutes. Uh, we're here with Larry Elder, the book. Let's put it up there, Caleb, if you don't mind. Uh, and Larry, we appreciate you being here and we're looking forward to your podcast. But right now you're getting the book, As Goes California. And you know, the, the other thing is, um, as goes Canada, so goes California. So right. I always, it always seems like that, what, you know, they're about a year and a half ahead of us and California can't wait to do exactly what Canada's doing. It, it, I always try to understand the people that that create these things, what what are they telling themselves in terms of what it is they're doing? In other words, are they saying that this is just short term pain for some long term objective that we have to get through? That they don't they're sort of in denial about the probability that they've they're they're creating something catastrophic and it it's not going to get better magically. Uh, at least the way they're pursuing their policies. You know, uh, we were talking about the LA Times. Um, in my book, I talk about the interview I had with the editorial board. Uh, it's on YouTube, by the way. And for the first five minutes, I just went into the, the way you just now did. Uh, I said, you have a 
opinion writer referred to me as the black face of white supremacy. And the subheadline uh, in the column was, you've been warned. Is that okay with you? And they went, well, you know, we really don't talk about what our uh, journalists say. I said, are you okay with calling Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy? Tell me what it is I've said. Tell me what it is I've done that warrants that title. And they danced and they danced and they danced. And I told them it was disgusting the way I, I was treated. Uh, look, they write three or four uh, opinion uh, Editorials every single day, uh, supporting this, supporting that, supporting this, and the state's gotten worse and worse and worse. So you guys are supposedly right. experts. You're the one endorsing this bill, endorsing that bill. Why have things gotten worse, given the fact that uh, Democrats have been running this state for decades? Uh, Democrats have been elected in the, uh, the, the uh, major offices for decades, yet things are getting worse. Does it ever make you rethink your assumptions, rethink your position on taxes, that's what, on spending, that's on what climate change, yeah. on anything? No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's real, that's real the part I struggle with. I, I struggle with is that I, I don't I don't know why they can't adjust course, why they can't learn from mistakes. I, I wonder what they're telling themselves about some of these things that they, they've done to the state. You know, you, you mentioned quite a bit earlier, we talked about this mandate we have for electric cars here. And that, if you remember, was pushed through by that uh, billionaire. I forget his name. His last name starts with an S. Do you remember this whole story? He, he's pushed. He ran for, he, he was one of the guys that ran for governor too. And uh, I interviewed him right after the, he pushed it through and he was so, he was gloating, was so happy with himself. And I said, you know, uh, all the savings that you're going to get for the first 10 years of electric vehicle are going to be completely undone by fires this year. This year will easily undo, it will put up more carbon than 10 years of electric vehicle. Why not spend that money doing forestry management? Why don't we focus on ways to reduce the risk of fire or the extent of fires if in fact your your goal is reduce co2 or why aren't you focused on co2 scrubbing and other other and nuclear energy why aren't we doing a whole range of things why are you so focused on this one thing that frankly may end up burning more fossil fuel or or god knows what in order to create the electricity and how are they even going to come up with enough electricity to be able to meet the demands of that many vehicles? It's just, it's just, it's nonsensical. That, that's the part I struggle with a lot. Well, Dr. Drew, how dare you use logic and reason? Uh, when my race was over, I go to a restaurant uh, in LA, the west side of LA, and I get there about 15 minutes before my buddy gets there. So a table next to me, two ladies are sitting there, and I think they feel sorry for me. So they start talking to me. And about 20 minutes into the conversation, um, one of them says, wait a minute, you're that guy that ran for governor. You're that Larry Elder. Guess who we voted for? So you didn't vote for me. And she said, how do you know that? I said, let's see, you said you're both Jewish. Uh, you're 85 years old. Uh, one, of you, one of them said she was a human rights activist. I said, you didn't vote for me. You voted for Gavin Newsom. And they said, you're right. We did vote for Gavin Newsom. I said, how do you feel about the crime? And they both had friends who had been mugged. How do you feel about the quality of our schools? They both admitted they would never put their kid uh, in an LAUSD school. How do you feel about the way Gavin Newsom shut down the state? They both had friends who lost their businesses. How do you feel about the fact that people are leaving California for the very first time? They had good friends who left California uh, for Texas, for Florida, for other places. I said, so here we are completing each other's sentence, sentences, but you didn't vote for me. I said, have you ever had a conversation with a conservative Republican before? And they said, no. I said, never. They said, no. And one of them said, what are you drinking? 
I said, uh, double vodka, splash of cranberry, splash of orange juice. He said, what are, you, what are you eating? I said, well, I wasn't going to have a steak, but now I'm going to upgrade it to a lobster if you're going to pay for it. So they paid for my drinks. They paid for my <laughs> wow. They had never spoken wow. to a conservative Republican before. I also wow. write about this, Doctor. I had some back issues, which is why I take uh, something like Relief Factor. And uh, a buddy of mine had a, a therapist, he said, could probably help me. So I go to this place. I'm assuming it's going to be an office building. And it's a residential street. And it's a house. I knock on the door. It opens up. A big plume of marijuana hits me in the face. Not that I would know what that smells like. Mm. Uh, but the lady who opened the door had, had tattoos everywhere, uh, ear pierce, piercings everywhere, but her eyeballs. And so she invites me in and she's playing Motown music, which is my favorite genre of music. And the song would come on. And I would say, well, this song was written by Smokey Robinson. Uh, it was written for David Ruffin, the then lead singer of The Temptations, who unfortunately had a drug overdose. And every song that came on, I pretty much had a backstory to it. And 20 minutes into the session, she goes, you know, I know who you are. When you called and you made the appointment, I knew who you are. Had I known you were this personable and this funny, I would have voted for you. I said, do you know any Republicans? She said, no. Yeah. I said, well, believe it or not, yeah. we have personalities. We have senses of humor. Shocking. She had no, <laughs> she did not know a single Republican. This is the state. That's why Gavin Newsom was able to survive the recall. Uh, if you look at all the ads that were put up there, and uh, Biden cut a commercial for him, Obama cut a commercial for him, uh, Senator Warren cut a commercial for them, and they all said the same thing. They didn't say Gavin Newsom was doing a great job on crime, on homelessness, on the way he shut down the state. They said, stop the Republican takeover. And I had, at the time, one photograph uh, with Donald Trump in my life, and they showed it over mm. and over and over again, two of us uh, standing with our thumbs up, uh, even though he had not mm. endorsed me. Uh, he reached out, but I said, I want to make this California-centric because they're going to turn this into a referendum on Republic, Republicans, which is exactly what they did anyway. Nobody said Gavin Newsom is doing a great job. They just said, stop the Republican takeover. And for people who were at that, at that table I mentioned in the restaurant uh, and that lady that was the massage therapist, it works because they have been told Republicans are bad. No matter how bad things are, Republicans will make things worse. That's how people in California have been indoctrinated. I think that's true. I, and I, full disclosure, I'm an independent, so I talk to people on all sides. And I, I, it really disturbs me when one component of the electorate is considered lesser than or vilified or bad and all goodness is imbued in one particular area or one particular group. That is pathological. That is... You know that is in the hysteria zone, right? It's in it's in mass formation zone, and I I've spent some time thinking about how, and I don't have good answers for this, but Trump seems to induce, and again, like I said, I'm I'm not endorsing anybody, but he seems to induce an hysteria in people, and if somebody <laughs> supports yeah. him, if you support him, you are you are part of the source of that hysteria, and that hysteria is experienced as all bad. Everything about this person is bad, so anyone associated with that person is bad. If that's how people in this country are led to think, however they've been led there, what do you do to fight that? Because I, I just don't like, I don't like, whenever there's a bad, I mean, just maybe it's study history, everybody, because I've said this over and again, when certain parts of the population are put aside as sinful or dirty or infectious or you name the 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 negative sort of uh, gloss things go bad it's a bad yeah. thing to do with a capital b but how how do they fight it how do republicans fight that 
the answer is to encourage people to think for themselves. I have a very, very close friend I've known almost 40 years. Uh, he was best man at my wedding when I was married years ago. Uh, and he has a son with special needs. He is convinced that Donald Trump mocked a disabled reporter. You know that story. Uh, Donald Trump yeah. was asked about yeah. uh, people were cheering the fall of the, of the Twin Towers. And Donald Trump said, yeah, there yeah. was a people were, were cheering. And because Donald Trump opens his mouth, they fact check him and they couldn't find any story to corroborate that. Well, he found a story from a writer, I believe with the New York Times. His name is Serge Kovaleski, who's got a disability. He doesn't shake like this. And so Donald Trump at a rally was talking about how the reporter retreated from the story when people asked him about the story. And uh, there's a website called Catholic for Trump, uh, where Trump is using that mocking gesture to just to, to mock himself, to mock an able-bodied general. He uses that gesture. He was not mocking that reporter. In fact, the reporter never even said uh, that he mocked him. So I sent my friend a three-page letter. And by the way, how brilliant is my friend? Perfect score on his SAT, perfect score on his LSAT. Mm. The man is I sent him a three-page letter and a link to that website, Catholic for Trump, showing that Trump uses that gesture uh, to mock a lot of people, and it didn't matter. And I learned something, had an epiphany. Once you hate Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. No matter what, you're not going to unhate him. The same thing about that right. story that he actually said there were good Nazis and bad Nazis on both sides regarding Charlottesville. He did not. Yeah. He was talking about yeah. there are good and bad people on both sides of the issue of whether there should be a Confederate monument in the public square. Uh, and uh, even Jake Tapper, two years after the fact, said that's what Donald Trump was talking about. Biden goes on CNN two days after Tapper says this, not on Tapper's show, and repeats the lie that Donald Trump said there were good Nazis and bad Nazis on both sides. And nobody at CNN corrected Biden when he said it. He still says it. And it's, just, it's pathological, yeah. as you said earlier. Uh, it's, it, it, if Donald Trump is this evil a person, you don't need to make stuff up. There should be plenty of material there. But uh, they make things up. The Russian thing was, was made up. Uh, the laptop letter was made up. Uh, he did not say they're good Nazis and bad Nazis on both sides. He never said that. They made it up. And it's still going. I mean, it, again, it's, it's, it's almost pathological. That's why people call it Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> It, it, it is a derangement syndrome, and it, it, it feels like the source of the hysteria that then broke out around COVID. They, they were already rolling in, a, at least the press was already rolling into a, they were already hysterical over his presidency. And then when the virus came, it became an explosive hysteria that, that went worldwide. I, I, I'm so shocked that, you know, back to making things up, six-foot distancing was made up out of whole cloth, from no science, in a back room. Actually, 10 feet is what they agreed on. And some political operative said, oh, we can't get them to agree on that. Just pick six. Let it be six. It really needed to be 30 to 60 if it was going to do anything. There was nothing, nothing about an aerosolized virus that it's justified six feet. It was a zero. And yet the whole world did it. it, it, it what is it about you, this guy? You were talking about Go ahead. Yeah. You were talking about masks. I'm talking about, uh, yeah. You were talking yeah. about masks earlier. Uh, Alameda County um, uh, reinstituted the mask mandates after they went away. But the two counties on either side, adjacent counties, did not do so. And demographically, they're almost mm -hmm. identical. It gave us a perfect laboratory to find out whether or not the masks worked. And it turned out the infection rates were no different uh, in, in Alameda of versus adjacent counties. And honestly, when Gavin Newsom basically shut down the state. I really thought that most people were going to say, uh, screw you. 
uh, I was in media, so I was exempted. So I get my card to go to work that Monday when the uh, shutdown went into effect. And I thought maybe there would be 25% fewer people on the road. There was nobody. It was like a twilight zone. Yeah. I, I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. So many people comply. I was yeah. shocked. I remained yeah. shocked. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was part of the, I, there's many things I've been apologizing for systematically of mistakes I've made. And one of them, I'm not sure it was a mistake. I, I was against it, but when he announced it, I thought, oh my God, all right. Well, he's trying to prepare for the worst case scenario. He is the leader of the state. I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm going to comply with this thing. And uh, and I did, never imagining it would go for two years. But believe me, I, I started speaking up after a while. But, uh, you know, that listen, fool me once. I hope we don't do it again next time. There's, there's a lot that has been revealed. A lot has been revealed by COVID. Uh, one is this, the elites, as you mentioned, with fake news and how fake. Uh, how arbitrary and capricious things are, how hysterical everyone is, uh, what the you know World Economic Forum and the forces like that, the World Health Organization are up to. I, I hope, I, I've certainly been exposed to a lot. I hope a lot of people have been. I know I've got to let you head out the door as soon as possible here, Larry. I promised that, um, uh, hang on a second. Uh, somebody is asking, okay, what... Oh, you've got a yellow ribbon on your jacket. People are asking uh, on our restream what that is all about. Uh, this is uh, to uh, show support for the uh, hostages that have been taken by Hamas. Uh, that's what this yellow ribbon mm -hmm. is for. Thank you for that. Uh, and again, so we well, I hope, I hope, uh, even though the, as we discussed earlier in the hour, there's you know there's been si still siloing of media. I, I believe that at least on the margins that the that X and other places, people are starting to get exposed to things, are starting to understand that the media is profoundly untrustworthy and profoundly biased. Uh, and we have to, you know, you can listen to it, but you have to double check and triple check and try to get your own sources, uh, not just consume it in one place. You consume it in one place. I don't care whether it's... If it's Fox News or CNN, I don't care which. If you're doing one, you're going to be in trouble. It doesn't matter which. You're going to have to do more than just listen to one version of what's out there. And think for yourself. When I was campaigning, I put this story in the book. I'm at uh, a coffee shop, and half the people there had masks on. Half of them did not. And the lady who uh, served us was not wearing a mask. And I said, what's the policy here? And, he, and she said, well, my boss says if you want to wear one, you can wear one. Uh, if you don't want to wear one, you don't have to wear one. So I choose not to wear one. I said, have you been vaccinated? She said, no. I said, may I ask why not? She said, you can ask, but I don't feel I have to tell you. That's what she said, big smile. That's for sure. Go ahead, ask. Yeah, that's for but sure. I'm going to give you a reason. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to give you a reason. That, that, you know, what she does with her body and her medical care is nobody's goddamn business. I completely agree with her. And we just got so used to being up at everybody's stuff. You know, we'd have to show your stupid uh, code to go into it. New York was ridiculous. All right. Well, Larry, well, good luck with the book. It's up alongside you there, as goes California. Uh, check it out. And be careful, everybody. It, this is, this, you know, people, I don't know if you remember, was it Bloomberg that came here about three years ago and went, California is the ideal liberal state. It's the model for the rest of the country. And I, at that point, it was maybe six years ago, and I was thinking, really? You want this? This is what, this is an ideal state? That is breathtaking. So pay attention, everybody. Read the book and uh, behave accordingly. Plan accordingly. Vote accordingly. And collect your news from multiple sources. Thank you, Larry. My pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it.
All right, you got it. Uh, all right, we're going to have Nick Sortor in a minute. Uh, the the mass thing made me um, want to just review a little bit about mass for a second, if people don't mind. Uh, and that, oh, did I lose my co-hosting position, Caleb? Um, yes, that uh, is Drew. Uh, it was because during yeah. the ad break, you accidentally unmuted it, and I heard all these dogs going everywhere. And I'm like, where's that coming from? Where muted everything? Uh, okay. And it was you on Spaces. <laughs> Nick is also oh, well, here. How about to that? Go. You know, you know what I didn't unmute it. I actually pushed the uh, cough button down, and I wonder if that does something. That's weird. Oh, I wonder. Well, yeah, I kicked you off, but I brought I, you back. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm back now. Good. Um, but the, um, the I want to review the mask up before I get Nick on in here, and, and that is um, this idea that you can wear masks if you want to. I think it's actually kind of a good one. Uh, and I, I have no objection to people wearing a mask if they want to protect themselves. But do not wear a surgical mask. It is completely useless. People are still bringing up surgeons and the wearing of surgical masks. So I feel obliged to review that surgeons well met wear surgical masks so their spit and the bacteria in their mouth doesn't land in the surgical field. It has zero intent on influencing a virus that might get out into the room and be inhaled by the staff. It has no impact on that, no meaning in that regard, and it's strictly to, our mouth is full of horrible bacteria. It cannot get into a sterile field or that will be an awful bacterial infection. Viruses often aerosolized, and COVID was an aerosol respiratory virus, meaning it, it's not transmitted on fluids or surfaces or even droplets. It is these tiny, tiny microscopic aerosols that travel 30 to 60 feet. And if you wear a mask that has any opening anywhere around the surface, you are actually causing an acceleration of the airflow through those little those little holes, and it actually increases the 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 distance that aerosols go. So instead of thirty feet, now it's ninety feet. So if you, I remember seeing uh, Bernie Sanders sitting in Congress. He had an N95 mask on, which is a good mask and will protect you if it's completely sealed. But his, you could see the air jet on his glasses. You could see his glasses steaming up from the lack of tight fit around his nose. And that was aerosols going across the room and having no effect on protecting him. And by the way, it's not even clear that you can protect other people with a mask. When we go into a room with a patient with infectious disease, we don't mask the patient. We mask ourselves. We want to protect ourselves. And so, you know, it's, if you want to protect yourself, fine. Whether that has any influence on other people, I, I, I'm unconvinced. Um, all right. So, Caleb, is uh, Nick available yet? Is he here? Yes, he's here. He's here. All right. Nick Sortor, he is a, let me get you some of his particular, I'm sorry, I was sort of vaping, I was sort of vamping there. I didn't realize you were standing by. Uh, Nick is in Lahaina, Maui. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it, <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
What do you see in there, Nick? And Dr. Drew, I'm telling you, it hasn't gotten any better. We're almost to the six-month mark here on, uh, you know, since the fire. And nothing has gotten better at this point. I mean, there are, there's now a, a homeless crisis where just up the road here, there are people living on the beach because they've lost their homes and they're not getting any support from the, the federal or state governments. No wait at all. You know, I spent the morning here helping my friend move his stuff into a shipping container so that he could move off the island because he didn't get any aid. And so he couldn't afford to stay anymore. Uh, and, and it's really I, I sad. Saw the, I saw the tweet. I, I, you, you were tweeting about that. And, and I, I was trying to understand what, what he'd been subjected to. So did, did he lose his home in the fire? And was, I, I, I just, you didn't put it all in the tweet. It, it left a lot of question marks over my head. Because by the way, coming to the mainland is not that much cheaper than, than where he is, where you are on the islands. So what, what happened to him? So his, uh, he lost his business in the fire. Uh, mm. And so he had no mm. form of work anymore. Uh, and, and, and so he had no income. Yeah, you get $700 from Joe Biden out here. Housing is so expensive. You know, a one bedroom, one bath apartment is going to run you $3,300. You know, I go across the street, I want to buy a four pack of toilet paper. It's going to be $10, you know? And, and so mm -hmm. $700 is not even going to last you a week out here. So there's, there's hardly anything people can do. If you don't have any savings, you're going to live in a tent over here. That's, that's all you got. Or you move. What, what is the government, the local government, saying their plan is? Do they have any... Are they laying out any... I, I see the destruction behind you. Are they going to rebuild? Are they going to bring in investments? Are they going to help people find employment? What, are they offering any sort of plan? So for the people that lost their homes here, they are thinking about making uh, uh, low-income housing, but really far away from the town. So, and that's not what mm. people want because, you know, you have multi-generational homes uh, that these people lost. You know, they, they've been in the family for 150 years or so, and they, they would refuse to sell that property. People have been trying to buy it off of them. The government's been trying to buy it off of them because they wanted to put a bunch of luxury homes on, the, on it. And, you know, for millions of dollars, they still refuse to sell it. This is their perfect opportunity mm. to pretty much come in and, and grab the land. And, and they keep talking about smart cities, 15-minute cities. Uh, and, you know, so people out there believe that this is a land grab at this point. Are they having success? Are people letting go of their properties? No, very few people. There are most people are fighting and fighting to keep the keep the land, uh, keep their properties. Uh, but you know, a lot of them were not insured either. And this fire happened of no fault of their own. You know, the government at the at a minimum, it was government ineptitude that let this town burn down. And, and so I believe that those people should, you know, they should, uh, the, if it founds out that the electric company or, or the government are, is totally at fault for the fire, the government should be responsible for it at that point. And a lot of people feel the, the same way. Even Hawaiian taxpayers feel that way. Well, the electric company is going to get sued, I'm sure. And I'm certain that there will be yep. insurance payout. Is anybody going to take similar action against the government?
Yeah, and so uh, 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 Maui County is now facing over a thousand different lawsuits at this point, which is you know mm. much deserved. And, and and you know one of the other problems here is nobody trusts. I mean, a very small group of people actually trust the government here at this point. Trust their mayor. Uh, they definitely don't mm-hmm. trust the police chief because he hasn't bothered coming around at all for months. Nobody has seen him. Nobody's talked to him. They want to know who was blocking the roads down here and and keeping people from being able to escape the fire. And explain to people, Nick, what you're doing there. Is this was your home for a long time, right? Well, I mean, I was here for two months earlier uh, last year. So at this point, it almost feels like a second home. And I've met so many people, so many people where I was, I was staying on couches and, and, you know, like guest rooms of some people when they were willing to let me do that. So I kind of feel like family here at this point. And it's really, really touching to see how great these people are in this community, how nice and welcoming they are. And they're getting royally screwed. You know, I was looking at your Twitter feed and I, I, uh, one thing that caught my eye was you were making fun of, frankly, uh, what San Francisco did with the homeless. Uh, are you taking aim at California as well? Because, uh, man, there's a lot. I was just talking to a lot, Larry Elder. There's a lot to take aim at. Yeah, and I've heard a lot about, um, I, yeah, I was meeting with, luckily, the tourism industry is coming back up very lightly. So just for the audience, mm. definitely come out here uh, and support the island. They do need the tourism. 90% of the economy out here is tourism. So there's you know, not really much of a choice for these people. They need the money. Uh, but the reason I say that is because I met people here that were victims of the Paradise Fire in California that burned down oh, a lot of that town as well. And they said oh, they really boy. feel for these people because they didn't get a lot of help either. Oh yeah, and and then there was all kinds of blame when the reality was it was uh, forestry management of the state that that and the electric company that that led to that yep. thing, but but um, you know let, let let's let's get a little deeper into the weeds on tourism and do a little promotion for for the island. So Lahaina uh, is sort of near Kanapali. Are, are those Kanapali re- hotels open? So a lot of them are the locally owned hotels are the ones that are being the most helpful for fire victims. Uh, they have completely shut down those and they're housing uh, these, uh, these victims uh, free of charge at this point. And so all the rooms are nice. full, which I think is, is, is amazing. But there are still areas because, you know, so there is a, a catch 22 here, right? Because you have a lot of these residents that that are trying to keep their jobs at the hotels in the resorts down there in Kaianapali, you know, the restaurants and such. So there has to be yeah. some sort of tourism there. And that, that exacerbates the housing prices. I mean, it is just, it's a, that's a disaster in and of itself at this point. Well, that's why I want to do a little promo. Like, so, so could people stay, if they stayed at uh, Wailea or if they stayed at, mm-hmm. uh, what's the, the one on the other end of the island, the something Bay? Kihei? No, the other other end. Uh, Kaanapali. 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 Or, I'm sorry. Um, Wailea. Wailea is on either side Kaanapali. of Kaanapali. Is Wailea, 
Kaha Louis. Kaha so Louis. Kaha Louis and, yep. and Wailea. And if, if you stay, in those, those are pretty far from Lahaina. If you stay in those places, let's say I want to go take a vacation in Hawaii, I go to one of those resorts. Are they, is that supporting Lahaina? Does that translate into tourism dollars that these guys, these people see? Yeah, absolutely. Because there are a lot of them that, that a lot of people are being housed up there as well, you know, that, are, that were from Lahaina that were victims down here because there isn't as much tourism obviously in this area right now so a lot of them have to end up staying up in uh, uh but, but why not why, why don't Wailea. we why aren't we why aren't we promoting though we should be promoting the those resorts are, it's not, not like the entire island burned off it's lahaina burned right. and, and people should be coming to those resorts it seems to me and and in, in support i mean they're the same resorts they're still the, what they've always been and they've always been very very popular and people should go to these resorts that support the island. Yep. I, I don't understand why they're having any trouble attracting people all of a sudden. That doesn't make sense to well, me. Because originally what they did, and they had, a, they had a bunch of celebrities come out and say, don't come to Maui. Don't come to Maui. You know, we can't, you know, we, we, we can't handle it right now. We don't, and I mean, it was the stupidest thing, especially when you know yeah. how much this place relies on tourism. There was already one disaster yeah. here. You don't need to create an economic disaster across the entire island. Right. Right. Well, that's why, that's so why I'm, I'm really pushing. It's Craig, said, Craig said that they were having a hard time booking. Kapalua is what I'm thinking of. So Kapalua and then Wailea, these are huge resorts. Kanapali, it sounds like, is pretty busy with residents. But on either side, these huge, huge, huge resorts, people should be going. And the people that live in Lahaina and around that area worked at the restaurants and the hotels. Right. And they, it, it really is almost like people should... I, I don't know. I don't know why not. It, I, it's funny. I felt the same feeling of confusion when we were in the middle of COVID. I'm like, why aren't we teaching people how to deal with this illness instead of hiding from it? Well, I feel the same thing with, with Maui. Why aren't we telling people to go visit, spend their money there? Drew, there's... Uh, uh, Caleb, this you is, trying to jump in? Yeah. Yeah, just really yeah. quick. So it's like, look at posts like this, because I see posts like this all the time on Twitter from people who say that they're native from Hawaii, but they, they're calling everyone who comes to visit Hawaii for tourism or for vacations as they're calling them uh, occupiers and they're calling them... Yeah, there's, they're basically trying to discourage people going there. There's a whole list of it right after the fires. And there were a lot of people on social media who were from Hawaii that had to fight back and say, no, this is the time when we need people here the most. We need to rebuild our whole, like rebuild everything oh, here. Oh, I see. It's, so it's, it's this fighting is a, that's a, conflicting so, ones. So Nick, so Nick, I see what that is. Nick, this is a, this to me looks like a Hawaii separatist group that wants to, take back the island. Do you, do you see this? Is is that a significant force on the island right now? Well, you can also, if you can put that tweet back up, you know, because I'm going to reference something on that. It says, uh, changing of tourism from, from foreign private capitalist ownership to socialized democratic Hawaiian ownership as Cuba has. So this is not a very popular <laughs> opinion out there. I mean, this person is a literal <laughs> socialist. So yeah, let's turn the this into a uh, Cuba. Tell that Cuba. To the yeah, no, go to Cuba. By yeah. the way, go to Cuba and see how it turned. I urge her to go to Cuba mm -hmm. and, and see what's going on there at the hotels. I 
urge right. you in the strongest terms it's to go. Uh, but, but, but it's not going to turn out the way you thought. Like, it's been tried too many times, oh guys. So study your history, everybody. Go visit these places. Yep. But in any event, uh, yeah. But I, what I'm asking you, Lenick, is that a significant movement on the island right now, or is that just an outlier? <laughs> No, that's an outlier. Okay. That's an absolute right. outlier. Even okay. the people that right. were saying that in the beginning have now changed their mind because they know okay. that they ended up losing their jobs or something. You know, <laughs> it, it does honestly like seem enough. like it does honestly seem like a lot of the people that are trying to discourage everyone from going to Hawaii and calling anyone who visits there a bunch of colonizers are people who aren't actually from Hawaii. They're just jumping on board and trying to just. Well, it's like it's that same white savior narrative that Larry Elder was talking about yeah. earlier. It's it's. It's not the native people that are there. They, I visited Hawaii and it was amazing. It, it I did not get the feeling that I was unwelcome there well, at all. I felt like a lot of people that live there rely on the tourist dollars and they need people to return. Yeah. They don't want to see everyone thinking but, the whole but place by the way, is burned down. Not just down. U.S. Not just U.S. dollars. It should be coming from the Pacific Rim. All over the right. place. They need to people and discouraging need to people in. is so hurting them. All right. So we've done our public service announcement. Uh, Nick, anything else before I let you go here? Yeah, um, it's interesting, you know, you being a, a, a doctor, and I'll let you know. So apparently what they're saying is all of this stuff that you see behind me is toxic. Mm -hmm. And so what they mm -hmm. decided they're going to do is they're going to dump it right above the town, which sees some of the, uh, the highest amount of rain in, you know, pretty much the entire United States. And so all of it just drains right down back into the town. And they're saying that it's going to be so temporary you, or whatever. You you, know. you, you got to find out if that is a water, is if, if that is something that is transmissible in liquid form. Usually that kind of constant, that kind of uh, construction, toxic materials are airborne. And so you shouldn't be standing there much longer, in fact. Uh, so you <laughs> think like asbestos and, and whatnot. So you're going to have to investigate a little further whether it's something that can actually contaminate water tables or be transmitted in liquid form. It, it may be stuff that's more of a dust-oriented toxicity. Okay? Yeah, so we'll find out. All right. Again, get, I'm let you, Anna, Anna, I want you to get out of there right now because I want you breathing that stuff. If you remember <laughs> with 9-11, remember with 9-11, that, that, that happened, right? There was a lot of asbestos in the towers or yep. other chemicals that, you know, they end up with a whole syndrome from that. Susan, you have something you well, said? Well, I, so I, like, uh, I spent like two weeks in East Palestine, Ohio, right after the explosion. So, I mean, uh, you That's know, it's probably going to be that plenty of problems the water. with me at some point. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, explain your, something. Your cancer <laughs> checks, <laughs> quick. Okay. Oh my God. All right, Nick. Well, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it very much. Hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. All thank right. you, Dr. Drew. Nick Sorter. You bet. Nick Sorter in Maui. You can follow him, uh, Nick Sorter, on X. And uh, Susan, you've been running around a bunch today. Uh, I guess the dogs did get through on the air. Yeah. Uh, everything. everything. They, oh, they did. Yeah. Sorry. That's why I was kicked off Twitter Spaces. What? It's a long story. <laughs> I was listening on Twitter Spaces. Twitter Spaces was fine. Okay. I, I think this cough button may do no, something. No, it was working fine. Okay. You were on Twitter Spaces the whole time till I came back in the room. Okay. Because that's how I was listening. All right. Okay. Uh, Caleb, uh, anything else on your end? Want to put the list of upcomers uh, coming up there? Nothing except I'm very excited mm -hmm. for Roseanne to be here next week. If this Roseanne, one sticks, this one's going to hold my breath. Look. Yeah, but yeah. she, she should be a couple of times. 
Yeah, I had she's to move moved her. a couple times and moved, which I'm very sympathetic She's in Hawaii to too, right? I believe she's in Hawaii, but I don't know if she'll still be in Hawaii. Del Bigtree at popular demand. He's actually going to be in studio. Nikki and Jim Norton will be in studio. They're right. Jimmy Dore coming in. Alex Berenson back for number three or four visit with uh, Kelly Victory making her her uh, her uh, return. Zuby, we love speaking with him. And then Rob Henderson has a great new book. I think it's out right now. It's so funny. We tried to get Zuby for so long and we couldn't get him. And I one day I go to Drew, I go, I go, we can't get Zuby. He won't come back. And I guess within like an hour, Zuby was booked. I just DM'd him on <laughs> on Twitter or something. Oh my God. <laughs> so I said, I just I admired him, and I, he was he I, was, was traveling a lot and stuff. I remember. Yeah, he was up to something that day too, and it was kind of interesting. Let's see. I got to get uh, name of, of Rob's book. It is called Troubled. Uh, it is an extraordinary book. Rob is a Rob was a troubled young person who got into the military, and that squared him out. And he because the military bill was able to go to Yale. Uh, was shocked at the way people from a certain class saw the world. And so he started thinking about that, ended up going to, I think he's at Oxford, became a social psychologist. And he writes the book of his story now from the perspective of somebody highly trained in this area. And you really, and it's not an uncommon story at all from the standpoint of what he went through. What's uncommon is that he found his way out and is uh, an extraordinary professional now. Uh, cannot recommend that book strongly enough. It's uh, breathtaking. And it, it is just all the, if you, if you are a Loveline fan, uh, he was every caller. <laughs> he, was, he was just uh, the stuff we listened to all day long. And he found a way out through education. And as I said, he has lots of interesting insights into the kids he met at Yale. And he invented this term called luxury uh, beliefs that uh, these kids with money and education have the luxury to believe the things they do because they've never had to really struggle, many of them. What we'll do is we'll see you again on Tuesday with Roseanne. Is that three o'clock, everybody? Susan, three o'clock? Yep. Yes, sir. As far as I know. Okay. Should be very interesting. She's going to tell me about them again. She got, I got more questions about them and uh, see if I can kind of <laughs> nail her down on who them is and what they are up to. And she's always fun and funny and uh, hope you'll enjoy it. So we'll see you next Tuesday, three o'clock Pacific time. Until then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 